after three missionary journeys, after being arrested in Jerusalem, after appealing to Caesar for a just trial, Paul found himself under house arrest in Rome uh, early in the 60s of the first century. He was in this house. It was his own rented house, but under guard. He was welcoming anybody who wanted to come and see him. And he continued, as the book of Acts ends, he continued to preach and teach the good news of Jesus Christ and about his kingdom. So Paul was busy. And among his visitors came a runaway slave by the name of Onesimus, a slave who happened to be owned by a good friend of Paul's, Philemon, back in Colossae, about a 1,000 miles away. In his time with Onesimus, Paul was able to share Christ with him and brought him to faith in Christ as we hear through, through those words, he's my child. Those are words Paul uses for people who've come to faith through his ministry. And in that faith, everyone, everything seems to change. Now Paul and Onesimus have to think about this broken relationship between a master, Philemon, and a slave, Onesimus. What are we going to do? Well, Paul had just finished writing the letter to the Colossians. And Tychicus, isn't that a great name? You might want to put that away for a child sometime in the future. Tychicus uh, was going to be carrying the letter to Colossae. And Paul said, why don't I just pen a very short personal note to Philemon and send it with Onesimus in hopes that this relationship could be mended. And the two of them could therefore travel together. That's what we sense is going on as the background. And I imagine Philemon looking up one day and seeing at his front door this runaway slave. And real quickly, Onesimus saying, I've done a great wrong to you, and I'm here to work on it. Would you please read this letter first? <laughs> and he hands it to Philemon. Well, when we're reading this letter, I, I love the translation that was read. And if you were following along, it's hard not to realize we're looking at somebody else's mail here. It's really personal. And we wonder what, what big message can we find in this small book, this small letter. What's great is that Paul starts out not by pulling out his usual Paul the Apostle, he doesn't come on heavy-handed. He comes on really gentle. I'm, I'm really not much more than just a prisoner, prisoner of Christ Jesus. And later on, he says, an old man, which I take pretty personally because he was about my age, <laughs> an old man. And so he greets Philemon very gently, starts very softly, mentions Philemon as dear friend and co-worker. They were close. They'd worked together. Very likely, Aphia is Philemon's wife. Very likely, Archippus is his son because the church meets in, in their home. After the greeting, Paul then does his usual. He's not buttering up 
Philemon. He does his usual affirming and thanking and building rapport as he does in all his letters. And he especially thanks God for the fact that Philemon believed Christ and then lived it out by loving Christ's people. Philemon was demonstrating his faith in Christ by being one who lovingly was hospitable, refreshed the hearts of all the believers. It's a great affirmation of active faith that Philemon was demonstrating. But if I were Philemon reading it, I would start to wonder, okay, where's this going? And in verse 8, Paul gets down to business. But again, he pulls back and he, in a sense, he takes off his apostle gloves that might demand that Philemon act in a certain way and comes gently with a hand outstretched of a friend and says, I just want to appeal to you. In verse 10, I'm appealing to you for my child, Onesimus. And so Philemon begins to realize this is not just my runaway slave. This is now someone who trusted Christ just as I did, who is led to Christ just as I was through the ministry of Paul. Formerly, he was useless. If you look in the footnotes, you realize there's a little play on the name Onesimus. It means useful. And Paul's saying there was a time where he was useless to you, but now he's useful to me and you. A little humor goes a long ways when trying to make these kinds of appeals. He then goes on to say, I'm, I really wish I could have kept him. He's that useful to me but I'm sending him back because I don't want to do anything without your consent. And I want your consent to not be forced. I want it to be something you do voluntarily. So Paul is working really hard, and now in kind of a subtle way, he brings up maybe, perhaps, God's been in all this. Maybe he was separated just for a little while so that you could have him back for eternity. Maybe... He was a slave for a little while, so you could now have him as a brother forever in the Lord. And so you get this sense of maybe there's some good that God is bringing out of this that has gone so bad. Can we work on this? And again, if I were Philemon, I would be starting to wonder, okay, I can kind of see what's going on here, but what does Paul want me to do? And then he gets a little clearer in verse 17. He says, I want you to welcome him as you would welcome me. Even though, Philemon, you have the right to kill Onesimus for his crime. You have that right, legally. But I want you to welcome him as you would welcome me. If he's wronged you, and clearly he has, Paul says, charge me. Put it on my account although I might remind you that you owe me your life in Christ. <laughs> Just a subtle reminder. Yeah, refresh my heart, even as you've refreshed all the other believers. Don't leave me out. Refresh my heart. And oh, by the way, get a room ready for me. Uh -huh. Some of you may sense, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of accountability built in there. It's like, I want to come and see you, but I'm hoping this all works out okay, and when I come, it'll, it'll be just fine. 
even the greetings at the beginning and at the end, although the heart of the letter is so personal, the greetings remind Philemon and us that, that there's a community around these people, and they're praying, they're watching to see how God's people mend relationships. Is this going to work? Let's see what happens. Well, I wish we had the next page to tell us exactly what happened. We don't, but we have a couple clues. The letter's here in the Bible. My sense is if this had blown apart, we wouldn't have it. It wouldn't have been kept. It would have been ripped up by Philemon as a bunch of trash, or it would have been set aside as something that's not a real good testament to the early church. The other clue comes from history outside of Scripture. Interestingly, there's a bishop, a leader of the church in Ephesus, not far from Colossae, who um, at the end of the first century has the name Onesimus. And many scholars believe that it's very possible that this runaway, now forgiven slave became useful, not just to Paul and his former owner, but to the whole church of Jesus Christ in that area. Wonderful story, and we maybe we'll find out more in the Bible school in heaven, but that's all we know at this point. The question is for us this morning, what big message is there from this small book for us? I'd like to suggest uh, uh, one main message, but it comes like in two parts, and that is that our relationships can be mended with one another. Our relationships need to be mended, and maybe we, we should take some different roles in this because if we know of a couple of people, especially believers in Jesus Christ, who aren't getting along, who are maybe at outright war, maybe just separated and it's a cold war, and you know that there's a break in that relationship, I would encourage you to, to pray about taking on the role of Paul, of stepping in and, and doing something, uh, not to take sides, but to build rapport with, with both parties and see if you can't bring them together face to face, as, as risky and troublesome as that might be. And I might remind you that whenever we step into that peacemaking role, we put ourselves <laughs> in a dangerous and risky position. We can get fired at from both sides. And some of you are nodding, you know what that's like. But I would say, be a Paul. Step in, take the risk. It's worth doing. For the cause of Christ, it's worth bringing two people together, even if after decades they've been at war. Maybe if you're the one who's been hurt, I would encourage you to, to be a Philemon this morning, one who's willing to accept any small steps the other party takes toward you and doesn't put up a wall or a fist or a stern face, but rather is ready to at least consider what God might be doing in this situation to mend this relationship, even though it's hurt and this person seems to have ripped you off done wrong to you? Is there a possibility of forgiveness? Forgiveness does not mean condoning. Forgiveness means looking right squarely at the wrong, calling it what it is, and then saying, let's heal this. 
let's bring it as far back to healthy as possible. And if you've been the one who's wronged another, I would encourage you to be an Onesimus. Be one who's willing. Can you imagine how risky that was <laughs> for him to carry that letter and hand it to the very man he ripped off? I think that's a risky thing for us to go back and face the person we've hurt and say, I'm sorry, I've, I've wronged you. Will you forgive me? I'll do anything to make things right. Can we work on this? I think those horizontal relationships between one another are worth taking a look at this model before us this morning and realizing we can be a part. We can take initiative no matter what role you have, Paul, Philemon, or Onesimus. You can take the first step in trying to mend a relationship. But there's also a, a bigger relationship, a vertical relationship that needs mending. You see, in a way, we're all Onesimuses or Onesimi. We're all in that position of being runaway slaves. We we're slaves to sin. And we have violated our master, our creator and redeemer, who's reached out to us in love. And truth be told, we deserve to die for that sin. And yet there's hope in that someone is running interference. There's a peacemaker. His name is Jesus. And he's willing to get involved. In fact, he knows both parties really well. He's lived with both parties a long time, and, and he knows what's going on in this relationship. And so he's willing to step in, pay a price, put his own life at risk to make this relationship right. In fact, there's nothing you and I can do to heal this relationship. We need his help. And I can somehow hear him taking the words of this, this little epistle and saying something like, Father, I appeal to you on behalf of, and insert your name. I appeal to you on behalf of these people. Welcome them as you'd welcome me, Father. If they owe you anything for their sin, put it on my back. That's what I died for. Let me carry that burden. Father, I know you'll do more than I can even ask. I trust you. Some of these same words that Paul pens to Philemon are the words I, I hear Christ saying to his father on behalf of us. So this is a mended relationship that takes a priority over all the others. It's one that we celebrate when we come to this table. And so this morning, as we come, I want us to be thinking about celebrating the mended relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ. He is our peacemaker. He's our hope. He's our unifier. He's the one who allows us to be brothers and sisters sharing this meal around this table. And if you're not a child of God, this is a great opportunity to come clean, confess that you're a slave to sin, that you'd rather be a slave to Christ, a free individual in Christ, and to have the forgiveness of sins and to know that you're a child of God, not just a slave, a child of God, a brother and sister to all those who are enjoying this meal. So I welcome you to come, invite you to come to the table. Come to Christ. 
this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for the insights of this beautiful, personal, short letter from Paul. Pray that as we gather at the table here, you will minister to us through Christ, our peacemaker. We pray in his name. Amen. Also, as part of our worship, let's take time to give to the Lord. He's uh, given so much to us through Christ.